This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We are discussing the Shir Hamalot, amazing, most beautiful Psalms are Shir Hamalot. And there's a lot of different varieties. We're going to talk about the Shir Hamalot. It starts from Psalm 120 to 135. So 15 Psalms of Shir Hamalot, songs of ascents, which means songs of rising or songs of climbing. Songs of Steps. So we're going to discuss this. Two different opinions, at least, of why they are called Songs of Steps. Why did King David write Song of Steps? So apparently there were 15 steps in the Beit HaMikdash between the women's section and the men's section. There were there was 15 steps, and the Levites, when they climbed those steps, on every step they climbed, they would sing one of these songs. So hence they were called the Song of steps. So that's one opinion. That's the first opinion. The second opinion is a Gemara in Sukkah. Very interesting Gemara. And the Gemara brings down a story of David Amelech. Now it's interesting because on the Mizbeah, which was made of stone in the Beit HaMikdash, there were two holes on the top of the Mizbeah. There were two holes. One was for the wine sacrifice, which was poured down this hole. And one was for the water sacrifice, which was on Sukkot. Every Sukkot, there would be a water libation on the altar. And that's where we have the Simchat Beit HaShoeva. They would go and make a big party every night of Sukkot. And they'd go down and draw water from the stream. And in the morning, they would come back up. And all night, it was an all-night party. And they would pour the water in the hole in the altar. They pour the water. So the water destroying ceremony was to pour the water in the altar, in the hole in the altar. So two holes on the altar, one for wine and one for water. And David Amelech was preparing to build the Beit HaMikdash. He wasn't allowed to build the Beit HaMikdash. We're going to talk about this uh, when we get to that story. It's interesting story. One of the interesting stories in David Amelech's life. He wanted to build the temple. He was not allowed to build the temple. Hashem says, your hands are full of blood. Even though it's the blood of the enemies of Israel, nevertheless, the temple symbolizes peace and harmony. Cannot be built by a person who was violent in any way, even though it's for the sake of a mitzvah of self-protection. And therefore, David was not allowed to build the Beit HaMikdash. However, he did make certain preparations. And the legend is he built the Kotel. That's the legend. That's why the Kotel was never destroyed. Hashem says, whatever you build will never be destroyed. And one of the other things he did was build the foundations of the Beit HaMikdash. And to build the foundations and to build these holes going right down to the depths of the earth, David HaMelech drilled, drilled a very big hole up down to the foundations of the earth that's what the Talmud says in Sukkah and he got to the point where the waters of the deep uh, came up and were going to flood the earth they were rapidly rising they were going to flood the earth and he told people he said if anyone knows how to stop these waters please tell me now and who knew was Achitofel Achitofel was one of the great geniuses of the time one of the great hachamim of the time he said let's we're going to write God's name on a sh- shard of pottery and we'll throw it in the water and the water will go down. So they took, they wrote down God's name on, on pottery. David Amelot didn't know it was allowed, but it was allowed because of Pikuah Nefesh. You're allowed to write God's name for peace between man and wife and also for Pikuah Nefesh to save the world from a massive flood. So they threw this pottery shard with God's name into the water. And then instead of rising, the water started sinking. So there's two different versions. The Talmud Babli, the Babylonian Talmud says it sunk to the depths of 16,000 amot, 16,000 cubits, which is about uh, multiplied by one and a half. So it's uh, 
24,000 cubits, it went down, 24,000 feet. Down, the water sank below much, way below the water level. Now there's a, there's a shortage of water. It's going to be a shortage of water. It's going to be a big drought. How did David Melech bring the water back up to its normal height? And the answer is he wrote the Shia Ma'alot. For every Shia Ma'alot they sang, the water came up 1,000 cubits. So that's the second legend, that's the second reason why David Amir wrote Shira Malos. So there's two reasons. One is that each Shira Malos represents one of the steps of the temple. We said there are 15 steps between the women's section, the temple, to the men's section. And every step that the Levites climbed, they sang one of these songs. And the second reason we said is to raise the water level back up 15,000 uh, Amot. So every, every song they sang, they raised the water level back up to the normal water levels. So that's the two reasons for the Shia Ma'alot, 15 Shia Ma'alot, 15 Song of Ascents. That's why they're called Ascents. My own perspective is these are Ascents of uh, going up to Hashem. If you want to climb up the ladder of Hashem, you will read these 15 Psalms and get up to the top of the ladder. Bezrat Hashem, we will read these Psalms. Let's go through them together. So we are starting with Psalm 120. Psalm 120 is a classic Psalm of pleading with God for help. Hashem, plead for Hashem. David Amelah, King David, when he wrote this song, you can imagine his state of mind. Imagine he wrote this song, we're in Psalm 120, a song of ascents. Shira Ma'alot, and it starts off with his troubles. But Sarat Ali, El Hashem, but Ali, to Hashem in my distress. This is classic. David Amelah praying out, reaching out, crying out to God in his troubles. El Hashem Bataratali, in my troubles, please Hashem, Karati, I called out to you, I cry out to you, Vyaneni, please answer me. This is typical, this is the classic prayer for out of distress. A person who's in distress, one of the Psalms to sing, this is the Psalm Kuf Kaf, which is 120, a Psalm to sing in times of distress. And he says, Rescue my soul from lying lips. From a deceitful tongue, people are speaking Lashonara, terrible, say, saying bad things about David Amelech. Obviously, this is the time where he was not yet the king, and he was being chased around by King Saul and his henchmen, and people were giving bad reports about him to King Saul, causing more enmity between him and his father-in-law. What can he give you, and what can he add to you, O deceitful tongue? You are like the sharp arrows of the mighty, with coals, of rotem wood. This is a very interesting concept because the wood became, they were like coals. Woe unto me if I draw out a germ. Okay, long has my soul dwelt with those who hate peace. I am peace. When I speak, they are for war. So I am a peaceful person, but they, my enemies, are spreading bad lies about me and they're causing war, they're causing enmity between me and other people. So this is the classic song of distress of David America, cry for help. From his heart to Hashem, Hashem, please you answer me, save me from these rotten people who are telling lies about me. So classic, classic, classic psalm of uh, David Melech in his distress. So what's interesting is that the Shira Ma'alots are part of our Shabbat <coughs> morning service, part of the Shabbat morning shaharit. Few of the Shira Ma'alots crept in. So every Shabbat in the morning, if you go to shul, early enough to get there before Baruch Shamar, which is pretty early Baruch Hashem, 
If you get there before that, you'll hear, you'll see the Shia Ma'alot in the prayer. So in the prayer book, the Shia Ma'alot uh, are, are said on Shabbat. The Ashkenazi custom is to say a lot of Shia Ma'alot in the afternoon, between Mincha and Arvid of Shabbat afternoon, especially during the wintertime. So anyway, so that's the, 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 the Shia Ma'alot crept into the prayer book. They're part of the fundamental part of the Jewish prayer book. And we said there are 15 of them. And a lot of them became so popular. Some lines of them became so popular they were made into songs. I just want to quote some of these lines which are made into songs. So one of the famous ones is, I, I rejoice. We're going, to say that we're going to say this song together. I rejoice when they tell me we're going to God's house. So that became a nice, beautiful Hasidish song. And then there's another one. There should be peace in your portion and tranquility in your houses. Beautiful. It became a nice, beautiful song. These are beautiful lines in the Shira Malot. So for your sake of my brothers and my friends. So again, this became a nice, beautiful song sung at uh, happy occasions and uh, others other lines shalom al israel became a very famous part of our prayers and uh, we're going to talk about you will work with your hands you'll eat your own food you are praiseworthy and it'll be good for you so the rabbis explained this line these are famous lines from the shira manot so just going through them very quickly uh, you will work. So this is a praise of people who go to work with honest labor. And you will eat. Ashrecha, you are praised. And Toblach will be good for you. So the rabbi say, why the double language? You will be praised and good for you. So Talmud says, you will be praised in this world. will be good for you in the next world as well. So a person who earns the honest, an honest living, praised in this world and good in the next world as well. So these are beautiful lines from these songs, which I'm going to go through in more detail. So let's go through the next psalm, which is, again, Shir, Hama, Shir Lama'alot. This is the only one which starts with a Lama'alot instead of Hama'alot. Normally it says Shir Hama'alot, song of ascents. Over here, Shir Lama'alot, a song to ascents, which is interesting. And this is famous. I'll raise up my eyes to the mountains. From where will come my help? And then he continues, this is a rhetorical question, where is my help coming from? My help will come from God, maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to falter. Your guardian will not slumber. Behold, the guardian of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. Hashem is the 24-7 guardian of Israel. Hashem is your guardian. Hashem is your protective shade. He's like a shadow. Those who think of Hashem, Hashem is with them. Ramam says, Hashem is like a shadow, just like a person's shadow never leaves them. Hashem will never leave the righteous who think about his name all the time. If you want Hashem's protection, just think of his name. In your head, you say a psalm, Hashem is with a person. That's Hashem is like a shadow. By day, he's with a, by day, the sun will not harm you, nor the moon by night. Hashem will protect you from every evil. He will guard your soul. Hashem will guard your departure and your arrival from this time and forever. This is good to say when a person leaves and enters the house. Hashem 
will guard your entrance and your exits from this time and forever. We're going to go into more detail. This is a beautiful psalm, which became part of the Arvit service in the Hasidic and the Sephardic service. Every night we say this in Arvit, in Mariv, before Aleinu Lishabeah. This is Shila Mado Sainai, a really beautiful psalm. It also crept into the prayer book and the Sephardic prayer books just before the end of the Shmon Esprit. A lot of people add the Shila Ma'alot before Oseh Shalom in Ramah, before you go back three steps. It's very good to say the Shila Ma'alot. Again, it's a psalm asking God for help, knowing where one helps, one's help comes from. It's very important for a person to know where is the address. What is the address to get help from? I'll raise my eyes to the mountains. You know, this is beautiful because every day I... When I go to pray in the synagogue, there's a, there's a window facing the mountains of Jerusalem. Oh, it's gorgeous. The view is very much like the Poconos. I always like the Poconos. Well, the mountains of Yushalayim, I like the Poconos. Just you don't have any, any uh, well, you do have a reservoir. You don't have many lakes. There are streams and there are reservoirs. There's a reservoir not far from me, Baruch Hashem. So I look at the mountains, I think of the sun. I'll raise my eyes to the mountains, David Amirat says. Where is my help coming from? Can you imagine what kind of thought is that? You know, I'm stuck. I have no one to help me. I look up at the mountain. Who's going to help me? Then it says, my help is from God. So it's interesting that the name for me'ayin, the word me'ayin, which is mem alef yud nun, me'ayin, from where has the, has the letters alef yud nun inside them. Me'ayin, from me will come your help. Hashem says, from the word me'ayin, from nothing will come my help. The word for nothing is Aleph Yud Nun, is the same letters as the word Aleph Nun Yud, which is from me, from my I. I will, I will be your helper, Hashem says. So in the question is the answer. It's staring us in the face. The question itself, Me'ayin, has the same letters as Me'ani. Hashem says, you ask me from where is my help coming from? I'm here. I'm here, right here with you. From me will come your help. A beautiful psalm. This is a great psalm. And we're going to see the Midrash says, who said this psalm? Yaakov Abidu, Jacob, our father. We're going to talk more about it. When we get there, I'm just going through very briefly all these psalms. I'll cover them and then we'll go back again and we'll go through some highlights. The next psalm is Psalm 122. And this is a psalm which was said on the way to the Beit HaMikdash. Can you imagine three times a year, every Jew has to go to the Beit HaMikdash in Jerusalem. You've got to walk to Jerusalem in those days. It was a long walk. And uh, they would sing songs it says uh, we talked about the parents of shmuel shmuel anavis samuel the prophet uh elkanah would he would he reinstated this uh, walk back to jerusalem three times a year and uh and uh, so he he walked he would walk and he would hire a band he would hire a band to take people to jerusalem so they had a music to walk to just like today you have the marching bands he hired a marching band so on the way to Jerusalem, they would sing this song, beautiful song, 122, a song of sense by David. I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of Hashem. Our feet stood firm within your gates, O Jerusalem. The built up Jerusalem is like a city that is united together. I was just there yesterday. The Kotel, I was at the old city today. It's amazing because now they built another building facing the Kotel of archaeological dig. You can go down there and see the archaeological digs. I've never seen it before. First time I saw it was yesterday. I didn't go in. I didn't have time. But I'm, I'm going to make time next time. There's rubbish and bleed there. The Kotel is being always, there's something new. Every time you go, there's always something new to see. There's more digs. There's more archaeology. 
There's more historical finds they find every time. And just by being by the Kotel, it's a great experience. Thank God the tourists are slowly coming back to Israel. Baruch Hashem. Um, I was there uh, just under a month ago. I was there yesterday. And definitely more people now hear more foreign languages being spoken at the Kotel, like, just like earlier days. So Baruch Hashem, uh, Corona hopefully is over. It's a bad nightmare. It's a nightmare. And now we have another nightmare courtesy of Putin. So we have no one to turn to. Let us raise our eyes to the mountains. Where will our help come from? Hashem should come, uh, help to come from Hashem. But over here in Psalm 122, a beautiful psalm to say on the way to Yushalayim, when you travel to Yushalayim, I was happy, I was rejoicing when they told me, well, let's go to God's house. I was to try and say this psalm on the way to the Kutu. What a, what, a be- what, what better way to say the psalm? I rejoiced when our feet stood firm within your gates, Jerusalem, the built-up Jerusalem, such a beautiful, wow. They really made, today Yerushalayim is beautiful, it's gorgeous, and it's getting nicer and nicer by the day. Everywhere you go, there are cranes, there's buildings, there's noise, there's whatever, but the old city is gorgeous, the old city is beautiful, it's like a gem. The built-up Jerusalem is like a city that is united together, for there the tribes ascended, the tribe of God, a testimony for Israel to give thanks to the name of Hashem. You know, the Talmud says that the only city that was not divided among the tribes was Yushalayim. Yushalayim does not belong to any one tribe. And it belongs to all of Am Yisrael. It belongs to all of Am Yisrael. Till today, it belongs to all of Am Yisrael. It's just very, very expensive. <laughs> it's getting every day. It says the, the price of houses in Israel went up at least 10% last year, if not more. So... Now's the time. If you don't buy now, I don't know when you're going to buy it. It's really the prices are going crazy over here. Um, I have an apartment, small apartment next door to me uh, in my building in Haranov. It's going for 2.25 million shekel. 2.25 million shekel. You can do the divided by three. It's about $700,000. Gosh, gosh. And it's a, only a two bedroom apartment. So it's getting very expensive over here just waiting to see how long it takes to sell it. But there's always people who want to buy in Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is a very sought-after place. Baruch Hashem is getting more and more popular. I remember when uh, when I was young, Yerushalayim was uh, very old, and uh, now it's brand new, it's sparkling. Yerushalayim is sparkling, beautiful, modern city. Really, it's a terrific place to be. The train, I was on the train yesterday, the light rail, amazing, very quick, very nice, very smooth. Anyway, so we're in the modern era. Yushalayim is growing by leaps and bounds every day. But they're sat, thrones of judgment, thrones for the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is a famous psalm. This is a line from 122. Those who love you will be serene. So the, the secret of serenity is to love Yushalayim. May there be peace between your, within your wall, serenity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and my comrades, I shall speak of peace in your midst. For the sake of the house of Hashem, our God, I will request good for you. So this is Psalm 122, which is speaking about the peace of Yerushalayim, the joy of going to Yerushalayim, the joy of going, we said the Aliyah Regal three times a year, every Jew should go to the Beit And this is the song which was sung on the way to the Beit written by King David, written by David Amelech. It's called Aliyah Regal. And... Uh, even though Yerushalayim is also a place where the Supreme Court in those days also today have a Supreme Court. And they have the but in those days you had the, the Beit Din, the Sanhedrin, the Dolok, 71 judges, 
sat in the hall of hewn stones in next door to the Beit HaMikdash, next door to God's house, the holy house. So that's why he also brings that down, That's because that's the same place. Okay, we are moving on to Psalm 123. And the Psalm 123 is a psalm of yearning. A Jew in exile yearns for God's help. A Jew in exile, this is the classic song for Jews in exile. And uh, that's the song which was sung uh, for thousands of years in exile. And uh, that's, that's uh, saying some songs. Esai et enai ha'oshvi v'shemayim. Nasati et enai ha'oshvi v'shemayim. To you I raise my eyes, O God, who dwell in the heavens. Behold, like the eyes of servants unto their masters. And like the eyes of a maid unto a mistress's hand. So our eyes unto Hashem, our God, until he will favor us. Favor us, Hashem, favor us. For we are fully sated with contempt. So this is the lot of the Jew in exile. Contempt, anti-Semitism, denigration. This is the classic Psalm, Psalm 123. Favor us, Hashem, favor us. We are full of contempt. Our soul is fully satiated with mockery, with the contempt of the arrogant. So Hashem, this is, uh, please Hashem, save us from the anti-Semitism. Again, anti-Semitism is making a comeback in the world. And this is the psalm against anti-Semitism. Hashem should save us from contempt and mockery from the people around us. And Bezrat Hashem will be respected in the world. Bezrat Hashem, there'll be no more anti-Semitism. Psalm 123. Psalm 124. Um, and this, this is a famous psalm. If it wasn't for God being with me or with us, Israel will say, and not Hashem being with us when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. Oh boy, this is so true. How many, how many times have we been, Jews have been swallowed up alive when the anger was kindled against us? So if God would not have been with us, it's a miracle that we survived till today after all the Holocaust. Yeah, there's more than one people that realize more than one. The Romans killed more Jews percentage-wise than anyone else. The Romans killed more Jews percentage-wise than even the Nazis, so the Romans were the biggest murderers of Jews in history, probably, and even though we talk about Amalek and others, yeah, Haman wanted to kill us all, but he was very unsuccessful, thank God, but if it wasn't for God protection, there wouldn't be anyone left, so thank God we're here, we're still alive, we're still praising God, we're still saying Psalms, we're living in Israel, Israel is a modern country, a powerful country, a beacon of light in the Middle East, Baruch Hashem, thank God, there's, there's, there's peace between certain countries in the Middle East with Israel, something which the Abraham Accords, which no one could even foresee. It's like a miraculous event, thank God. And now we have just Iran to deal with Iran, the Hezbollah, the Houthis, and the Ira- Iraqis, and the Syrians, all the other troublemakers in the world. And, and we have now an unsettled world with, uh, with uh, Russia now. Uh, so we have an unsettled world. We need God more than ever before. Israel Hashem, Hashem should be with us. We see a lot of good things happening. A lot of strange things are happening as well. So Bezrat Hashem, Hashem will be with us all the time. And so uh, if Hashem would not be with us, if Hashem would not have been with us, when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive, David Amir says. They would have swallowed us alive. When the anger was kindled against us, then the waters would have inundated us. The current would have surged across our souls. And they would have surged across our souls, the treacherous waters. Blessed be Hashem, who did not present us as prey for their teeth. 
Our soul escaped like a bird from the hunter's snare. The snare broke and we escaped. My father always say this, when something in the house broke, famous verse, we would always say this line, it's a good line to remember when something breaks in the house as, as it normally breaks. The snare has broken and we escaped. So it should be a kapara, anything breaks around us, it should be a kapara for us. The snare broke, but we are alive, we are saved, we escaped. Our help is through the name of God, maker of heaven and earth. There's Rav Hashem, a very powerful psalm. Protection in, again, exile, Psalm 124. Psalm 125 talks about bitachon, bitachon, trust in God. Very, very important. Again, Shir HaMalot, famous beginning of the psalm, Shir HaMalot, Song of Ascents. Those who trust in Hashem are like, are like Mount Zion. This is very interesting. Those who trust in God are like Mount Zion that falters not, but abides forever. In other words, we're like, a person who trusts in God is like a rock. A rock like Mount Zion, the rock Mount Zion, by the way, David Amalekh is buried on Mount Zion. He's buried on Mount Zion. I passed it yesterday in the bus going to the Kotel. So it's on the way to the Kotel. Uh, that's where the Israeli soldiers uh, entered the uh, gates of the old city in the Six-Day War. That's you'll find massive bullet marks on, it's interesting how the, the wall never never fell down. They tried their best not to destroy the wall. They tried their best not to cause destruction. And that well, that's what cost Jewish lives because they came in hand, hand-to-hand combat, basically, with bullets and not with, mach- with uh, cannons and rockets. So they wanted to save the, the ancient walls of Yerushalayim and you'll see the bullet marks in the Zion Gate. That's where the Israeli soldiers came through on 67, the, the paratroopers. Um, and we have to remember them always, uh, those who gave their lives to come into the old city. Beautiful. Old city is gorgeous. It's a gem. It's a jewel. It's beautiful. It's, uh, yesterday, I was there yesterday. People think it's not so safe. You see all these girls, these Jewish women walking to the, through the city, through the old city. Yeah, they have guts. Boy, they have guts. They walk right through. And it was dark, and uh, and people are walking through groups of men, women, young boys, young girls. Amazing, beautiful to see. Yushalayim is alive today. It's it's a, a live city. It's not a dead city. It's a live city. It's a beautiful city. It's uh, flourishing, and that's exactly what this Psalm 125. Those who trust in Hashem are like Mount Zion. They're like a rock. You want to be like a rock? Unfaltering. A rock is a person trusting Hashem. That falters not and abides forever. Jerusalem, mountains and rapids. Hashem enwraps his people from this time and forever. For the rod of wickedness shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous. So that the righteous shall not stretch their hands into iniquity. Do good, Hashem, to good people and to the upright in their hearts. For those who turn to their perverseness, Hashem will lead them with the doers of iniquity. Peace upon Israel. Just like the psalm ends with peace. We should all have peace in our lives. Now we're going on to Psalm 126. That this is a psalm which is interesting that King David wrote with prophecy uh, regarding the coming exile, which he saw. Imagine seeing something in prophecy. This is the heights of the Jewish commonwealth, King David and King Solomon, the heights of the Jewish commonwealth we're going to talk about. This is the, uh, the, the, the semi-Messianic age of the Jewish people. The time of King David and King Solomon, where eventually it's gonna, there was peace for a whole lifetime. King Solomon's time, peace in the world, a whole lifetime of peace for Jews around the world. Not only that, many non-Jews came to Israel to convert, and we couldn't accept them. We're going to talk about that. We couldn't accept them. When things are going good, it says not to accept converts, because that's, uh, we don't want any ulterior motives. No ulterior motives. 
So when things are going good for the Jews, it's not a time to become Jewish. When things are going bad, then we know you're serious. <laughs> That's the time. That's the time to say, I want to be Jewish. That takes a lot of guts to be Jewish when things are not going well. Boy, that's hard. But anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about that, how that was the, the prime time of the Jewish people was the time of David and Solomon. The last years of King David and the first years, the, the main years of King Solomon, we had peace and we had prosperity. We had a temple. We had uh, wisdom. The whole world came to hear King Solomon's wisdom. He was like a Messiah. He was, he was really the forerunner of the Messiah of the, of the Davidic line. And the Messiah will be even greater than King Solomon. Wow, that's, that's going to be something to see. Even greater, have such a personality, such charisma, such wisdom. The whole world will come to listen to him talk. They'll be mesmerized. That was, King Solomon could mesmerize the whole world. The whole world, every monarch around the world wanted him to marry their daughter. Can I? We're going to talk about him later, but this is an interesting psalm that David Amedek wrote with prophecy about the exiles from Zion. He says, a song of ascents, when Hashem will return the captivity of Zion. This is uh, a thousand years later. We will be like dreamers. This is true today. We're back in Yerushalayim's heart. It's like living a dream. We're living a dream. This is the Jewish dream. We're back in Yerushalayim after thousands of years. We will be like dreamers. Then our mouth will be filled with laughter and our tongue with glad song. Then they will declare among the nations, Hashem has done greatly with these. We're still waiting for this to happen. The nations declare, you know, wow, the Jews are back in the land. How amazing this is. Hashem has done greatly with us. We were gladdened. Hashem returned our captivity like springs in the desert. Those who tearfully sow with reap will reap in glad song. This is a very famous line. Those who sow with tears will reap with joy. This is true of anyone who had children. Yeah, you know, raising children is like you got to sow with tears. But eventually, those who sow with tears will reap with joy. Something to look forward to. Anytime you invest, it's with uh, tears and you work hard. But eventually, Bezrat Hashem will reap with joy. And he who bears the measure of seeds walks along weeping will return in exaltation, a bearer of his sheaves. So instead of, you know, planting the seeds, a lot of uh, work. But eventually, he's going to be carrying sheaves of wheat, Bezrat Hashem. You sow with tears and reap with joy. That's, that's Jewish history. We're keeping sowing with tears. Building this land was with tears, really. People, the early pioneers have built up this land of Israel. They sowed it and to move all these heavy rocks with their hands. I, I just don't know how they did it, really. My hat's off to them, really, really. They filled in the swamps, the malaria swamps. A lot of people died and they built the land with their own hands. Baruch Hashem, thank God for them. Today we have these bulldozers and uh, foreign workers. We're spoiled. <laughs> we're really spoiled. Okay. So anyway, let's go back to this. So that's exactly what we're talking about. Returning the captivity of Zion. This is David Amen. I've seen the future. There'll be another exile. And uh, there'll be return from captivity. We will be like dreamers. We're going we're gonna to rejoice. Now we come to an interesting psalm. And this was a psalm written by King Solomon. This is a song of a sense of Shlomo Amenech. A song of sense of Shlomo. If Hashem will not build a house... This is a very interesting psalm, beautiful psalm, a philosophical psalm. If Hashem will not build the house, in vain will the builders build it. So this is talking about a bit of Mikdash. In other words, we can build God's house, but we can't guarantee it will last. Only God will guarantee it last. So the builders, if Hashem is not part of that building, in vain will the builders build it. If Hashem will not guard the city, in vain will the watchman be vigilant. Imagine you have the biggest army in the world, but if Hashem is not helping, he's not watching, 
It's, it's in vain. That's what Shlomo says. Shlomo says the secret of success is God is with us. That's the very important key to success, that anything that a person does, a person builds buildings, a person has uh, wants, uh, gets a security system, if God is not with them, it's in vain. It's in vain for those that rise early, who sit up late, who eat the bread of sorrows, who indeed he gives his beloved ones restful sleep. Behold, now we come to a very important point. The heritage of Hashem is children. A reward is the fruit of the womb. So now we come to how do you educate children? This is King Solomon, the greatest man, the greatest wise man alive, gives us some advice on how to raise children. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of youth. Why is he comparing children to arrows? Why? Because once the children, just like an arrow, once you lose your hand, you cannot guide it anymore. So to children, there's only a certain amount of time that they will listen to you. Once they're in your hands, they listen to you. Once they've grown out of your hands today, you can't tell teenagers what to do. They already know everything. So while they're in your hands, that's when you guide them. They're like arrows that you have to guide while they're in your hands. Once you let go of them, they're gone. It's not like a guided missile that you can still control even after it's left your hands. No. They're like arrows. Children are compared to arrows. Why? You guide them when they're young, but once they leave your hand, you gotta gu- you got to aim them well before they leave your hands. That's the trick. Education is like aiming that arrow before it leaves your hand. And I heard a beautiful idea. I can't remember who says this, but why children like arrows? Because the further back you pull the arrow, the further the arrow will fly. So the further back you pull the arrow, a child, the further back you put him to your heart, the further that child will go. The more love you shower on the child, that's the secret of pulling the arrow back towards you. You pull the arrow back towards you, pull the child towards you. I know my father, thank God, he pulled me towards him. He would sit with me in the setting up. <laughs> I wasn't the easiest uh, kid to deal with. And he would just put his arm around me and make me sit next to him. And the love that he gave me that was worth trillions. That love he gave was worth trillions. And that is what Shlomo Melech says. Pull your arrow. It's compared, a child is compared to an arrow. Just like you have to guide the arrow, you have to guide the child before you let the child go. And you have to pull the arrow back towards your heart. So you have to pull your child towards you to your heart. So beautiful comparison. Yeah, very interesting comparison comparing a child to an arrow. I would never have thought about that comparison. There are certain comparisons, very deep comparisons. A child is like an arrow. Amazing, amazing concept, amazing. And it's the heritage of Hashem as children. A reward is the fruit of the womb. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so the children of the youth. You need a lot of patience. You need to be young to deal with kids. Yeah, otherwise, a person loses their nerves. They can't deal with little kids. Uh, so it's nice to have grandchildren. You can say hello and goodbye and send them back to pack them up. <laughs> You pack them off to their, children, their parents. Praiseworthy is a person who fills his quiver with them. They shall not be shamed when they speak with the enemies in the gate. So beautiful Psalm, Psalm 127, is Hashem crowns a person's efforts with success, and the person can raise their children to serve Hashem. Psalm 128, the song of ascents, as usual, praiseworthy is each person who fears Hashem, who walks in his ways. When you eat the flavor of your hands, you're praiseworthy. So it's not an indolent religion. We're a very hardworking religion. As you know, Jews work hard. This is Shlomo Melech. Uh, David Melech is encouraging hard work. 
and you eat the labor of your hands, you are praiseworthy. And it is well with you. He said, we talked about this. We said, why does he repeat this twice? Why does he say, when you eat from your hands, Ashrecha, praiseworthy. And it's good for you. So the Talmud explains, you're praiseworthy in this world and it's good for you in the next world. So being honest, honest labor is something to be praised. David Amela praises honest labor. It's good for you in this world. It's good for you in the next world. And the idea is when you do an honest day's labor and you learn Torah, you're going to be very tired at the end of no time for mischief. The idea of Judaism is that there should be no time for mischief. And that's a problem. That today we have lots of time and there's lots of mischief available at the click of a finger. And it's just, so a person who eats from the labor of his hands, praiseworthy, is well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in the inner chamber of your home. Your children will be like olive shoots surrounding your table. It's such a beautiful idea, this watching a table with your kids sitting around the table. Nothing, nothing better. Behold, so is the blessing for the man who fears Hashem. May Hashem bless you from Zion. May you gaze upon the goodness of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And may you see children born to your children. Shalom al-Israel. A beautiful psalm of uh, the, the praises of a person who's righteous experience the family around the table. You remember the old Seder tables, Pesach, the whole family around the table. You see your children and grandchildren. That is the, one of the biggest blessings a person can see. They're walking in the ways of God. That's the praises of a righteous person. We should all be worthy of seeing it there, the, the children and grandchildren around our tables. Uh, now we come to Psalm 129, that this is one of the biggest proofs that God exists. The big, one of the biggest proofs that God exists is that we're still here. We Jews are still here, even though they try to kill us many times. You know, the famous uh, line, it says, they try to kill us, we won, let's eat. That's Jewish celebration. Every festival is a celebration of Jewish survival. Purim coming up, a big celebration of Jewish survival, physical survival. Pesach, a a festival of Jewish survival, let's eat, let's, uh, let's enjoy, let's raise our cups to God. Yes, that's what we do, Jewish survival. So look what uh, David Amelov says, Rabat Siraruni Minorai, much have they distressed me since my youth. Let Israel declare now. So it's not just him, it's, it's he's talking about Israel. Let Israel declare now. Much have they distressed me since my youth. He's talking about the, I'm, I'm Israel. Since we were young as a people, they distressed us, but they never conquered me. On my back, the plowers plowed. They lengthened their furrow. Hashem is righteous. He cut the ropes of the wicked. Let them be ashamed and turn back all who hate Zion, all the anti-Zionists. Let them be ashamed. And look at this. Look how, how this, this psalm is appropriate. It's fresh today as it was then. Imagine all the haters of Zion. Here they are. All the haters of Zion should be turned back. Let them be like the grass on the rooftops, which even before it's plucked with us, with which the reaper cannot fill his hand or the binder of sheaves his arm. In other words, they, they should not have a place to grow. They should die and wither away by themselves, of which passerby shall never say, Hashem's blessing to you. He blessed you in the name of Hashem. So everyone who passes by, the Jewish people, we're flourishing, will say, blessed be you, Hashem's blessing to you. We bless you in the name of Hashem. Israel Hashem. Our enemies will wither away like the chaff on the roof, like the plantings on the roof. Okay, now we come to another. This is one of the famous psalms when a person is in trouble. What psalm do you say when a person is in trouble? So, number one, we said, 
which is Psalm 121, and this one, 130, Psalm 130, very powerful, very, very powerful. This is a psalm that made it inside the prayer book. We're going to have to talk about this, but there's not much more time. It made it into the prayer book on the 10 days of repentance in the Spartic prayer book and the Hasidic prayer book. It didn't make it into the Ashkenazi prayer book. <laughs> but it's said on Yom Kippur by everyone, Hashem, Hashem, I cry out to you from the depths. It's a very famous psalm made into the prayer book on Rosh Hashanah. Now it's interesting because it's a halakha, which is you're not allowed to interrupt in the morning prayers between Yishtabach and Yotzer Or. And if you know the prayer book, Yishtabach, there's a Kaddish, a half Kaddish before between Yishtabach and the Yotzer Or, which is the prayer in the morning on the sun and the, and the creation of the day, Hashem created daytime, but it's not allowed to interrupt and speak over there with mundane things. So uh, most people did not want to put, the Arizal says to put this prayer, this Shia Amarot, this Psalm 130, over there in the, in the prayers between Rosh Hashanah all the way to Yom Kippur, 10 days of repentance. And in the Sephardic prayer book, we just follow the Arizal, and Hasidim also for the Arizal, and therefore this prayer, this uh, psalm, made it into the prayer book, despite the fact that the person is not allowed to interrupt in those places. This is not considered interruption. This is part of the prayers, and therefore we say it made into the prayer book. Why? Because we're praying from the bottom of our hearts. We're praying for the ma'amakim, which are the depths. So when a person's depressed and they're in the depths, what do you do? You can imagine David Amelach in the depths. He's in the depths of depression. I pray to you, Hashem, from the depths. You know, it's interesting because the old custom, the Talmud always says the Hazan would stand in a hole in the ground. Today, the Hazan stands on the Bima, which is a higher elevation. Ramon says, why? Because we want people around him to hear his voice. But in those days, the Hazan would stand in a hole in the synagogue. The, the, the Bima was downstairs. It was underground. Why? Because of this psalm. This psalm says, I cried to you from the depths. So a person, the Hazan should go down into the depths and cry to God. When a person is in the depths, they cry with all their might. They cry with all their heart. You know, I think uh, it was John McCain who said, a person, there's a lot, a person prays a lot in captivity. When you're in the enemy jail, there's a lot of praying going on. I think those are the words. A man does a lot of praying. So uh, in the depths, we person cries. So David Amirah says, I call to you, Hashem, O God, from my depths, from the depths I call to you, Hashem. Mama Kim Hashem. From the depths I call to you, Hashem. Hashem, hear my voice. May your ears be attentive to the sound of my pleas. If you preserve iniquities, O oh God, my Lord, who could survive? With you is forgiveness. Again, it's a prayer for forgiveness from the depths of a person's heart. That's why the Arizal says, say this prayer in the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, inclusive. With you is forgiveness. That hope for my praise word, my, my soul yearns for the Lord among those longing for the dawn, those longing for the dawn, which is yearning for Hashem to forgive us and be close to us. Let, us, let Israel hope for Hashem with Hashem is kindness, with him is abundant redemption. He shall redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Amen. So that's a very powerful psalm. A person in trouble, a person depressed. This is the psalm for you. Psalm 130. Psalm 121, uh, two powerful psalms for, for help, for help. Uh, Psalm 131, a song of ascents by David, Hashem, my heart was not proud, my eyes were not haughty, 
nor did I pursue matters too great and too wondrous for me. I swear that I stilled and silenced my soul like a suckling child at his mother's side, like the suckling child in my soul. Let Hashem hope to Hashem. Let Israel hope to Hashem from this time and forever. So a person is like with Hashem, is like with their mother, like a child with a mother, just like a child with his mother is at peace. The mother is the source of nourishment. So the mother is the source of solace. Oh, I miss my mother. The mother is a sign of uh, emotional succor and of the uh, fortress in times of trouble. Hashem is our mother. Hashem is like the mother. That's what David Amalek says. Hashem is like our mother to the suckling child. We are the suckling child. We don't really realize how much we need. And Hashem is like our mother. Okay, we are in Psalm 132. This is one of the longest Shihamalot. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's one of the longest, it's one of the longest, I think it's, it is the longest Shira Ma'alot, which basically talks about if one cannot complete a task, yet faithfully lays the groundwork, the final goal will be met in one's merit. So this is talking about David Melech. He couldn't build a temple, he wasn't allowed to build a temple, but he laid the groundwork, he raised the funds, he had all the materials ready. Solomon, when he became the king, everything was ready for him. The groundwork was laid. David Amenah did all the hard work. He saved up all the money. He saved up all the materials. And this is what he says in Psalm 132. If you do lay the groundwork, then it's as if you did it. It's as if you did it. You get credit for doing it. We're moving on to Psalm 133. This is one of the beautiful Psalms of, and this is a Psalm, it says, when, you know, when El Al plain lands in Israel, right? this is where it is. This is exactly where it is. David Amelech, the Psalm of David, Psalm 133, a song of ascents by David. How good and how pleasant it is the dwelling of brothers in unity. And now we come to a very Kabbalistic concept, like the precious oil upon the head, running down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down over his garments, this was the anointing oil. Last week's parasha, Moses was commanded to anoint Aaron with anointing oil. So Aaron was the first person in the world who was anointed. The first Mashiach was Aaron HaKohen. He was anointed to be the high priest. So the dew of Hermon, of Mount Hermon, descends upon the mountains of Zion. For there Hashem has commanded this blessing, may there be life forever. So interesting, this concept that uh, Hashem's blessing is like dew. Uh, the, the Torah says in Parashat Hazinu, like the dew that falls down is God's uh, beneficence. So Hashem's beneficence should reach all of us. And now we come to the last of the Shia Malots, uh, Psalm 134, the last Shia Malots, 15 Shia Malots, starting from 120 all the way to 134 inclusive. A song of a sense, behold, bless Hashem. All you servants of Hashem who stand in the house of Hashem in the night, lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless Hashem. May Hashem bless you from Zion, maker of heaven and earth. A beautiful psalm. This is my father used to say this, and it's in the psalm prayer books. When you wash your hands and do netilat, you're dying. You're meant to raise, so you wash your hands, you raise them up before you say the bracha. And this is the verse you, a person says, raise up your hands. And bless Hashem. And then we say the blessing on washing hands. So this is the pasuk, this is the verse which is said at that time. Raise your hands and bless Hashem. Hashem May Hashem be blessed from Zion. Maker of heaven and earth. That's how the 15 Psalms ends off. The God is the maker of heaven and earth. 
and we should all be blessed from Zion. And I want to just go through a little bit if, uh, of this Shila Malo Sinai Yarib, Psalm 121, if I can find it very quickly, that it's, it's, uh, it's very powerful and there's a lot to talk about. So let's, let's go through it, Psalm 121. I'll, let's just quickly read it and then we'll, we'll get a little bit of commentary on Psalm 121. I'll raise my eyes to the hills, to the mountains. From where will come my help? Rhetorical question. My help will come from Hashem, maker of heaven and earth. Your guardian will not slumber. He doesn't slumber or sleep. The God of Israel, Hashem is your guardian. Hashem is your protective shade. So this is a psalm which inculcates in a person faith in God and bitachon and trust in God. So a person shouldn't worry. Why should a person worry when Hashem is one's guardian and Hashem doesn't sleep 24-7? A person has the security of a guardianship. So uh, this is a psalm um, of uh, prayer when you need help from God. This is, this is considered one of the prime psalms when a person needs help. And if you notice anyone who's sick, this is the one to say, Sinai Liharim. And also he said, Mama Kim Karati Hashem, which is Psalm 130. So these two psalms are psalms of pleading of, of help of Hashem. Our help comes from Hashem. So this is a psalm which we say is, is in Arvit. The Svardim and the Hasidim put it in Arvit. And before the Alim Shabeah. And uh, this is a psalm when it's the Levites start climbing up the 15 steps to the uh, temple. This is what they would sing. Um, and in the future, it says when the, when the righteous will bring their their, their presence to God in the temple. This is one of the psalms they're going to sing as well. So this uh, this talks to one of the questions of faith. From where will my help come? Hashem, I'm in trouble. Where is my help going to come from? And the answer is from me. Hashem says it's, it's going to come from me. And I know who is re- This is, you know, the Jews at the, at the Red Sea. They were, they didn't know what to do. There were four different distinct, uh, one, one section said, let's, let's fight them. One section said, let's go back to Egypt. One section said, let's jump into the sea and drown ourselves. One, one section said, let's run. And Moshe says, stop. Just stop and watch Hashem's redemption for you. Our help will come from Hashem. This is classic faith in God. That a person shouldn't get flabbergasted. A person should not get panicky. A person should have faith. Because when things are done with faith, then a person will, will be cool and calm and collected. It's very hard in times of crisis to be cool, calm and collected. But that's when a person makes the right decisions. So a person has to have faith to make that leap of faith and transcend being panicky. That's the, that's the point. Transcend being panicky. How? So a person says the Psalm 121, where will my help come from? It comes from Hashem. Our help comes from Hashem. And this is a, a, a big tikkun for one's neshama. This, is a, this fixes a person's neshama. Then the neshama is going to get sustenance from God directly. And it also raises a person up to eventually get to Olam Abba. But it says this psalm, where is my help going to come from? From Hashem. Hashem is my God in this world. And Hashem is my God in the next world. Hashem is the constant in both worlds. So why should a person be scared? Hashem is with me in this world. Hashem is with me in my sleeping. Hashem is with me when I wake up. Hashem is with me in this world when I die. And, and next world. Our world is full of God. That's it. That's a very important idea that when a person needs help they got to realize the address is god 
So now let's apply this. There's an interesting midrash which applies this psalm to, to Jacob, to our forefather Jacob, which is interesting because David Amalek came many generations after Jacob, but how the midrash applies this to Jacob, let's see. And this is brought down by Rashi in, uh, in Divrei Hayamim of all places. He brings the midrash, the rabbis, the midrash Rabbah, chapter uh, 68. And when Yaakov Avinu left his father's house, this is Yaakov Avinu was sent by his father and mother to go to Haran to marry into his uncle Lavan's family. Uncle Lavan had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. And uh, the parents, his parents, Yitzhak and Rivka, sent Yaakov, go and find a wife. We don't need to marry the inhabitants of the land, just like the other son Esav did. And he, inhabited, he married all these idol worshippers. Go back to your uncle and marry his daughter. So what happened is, Esau sends his son Eliphaz to kill Yaakov. This is Yaakov's nephew, the son of Esau, comes running after Yaakov. But Rashi says that since Eliphaz was raised on the lap of Yitzhak, Eliphaz couldn't kill his uncle. Eliphaz did not want to kill his uncle. He had these values which were embedded in him by his, by his grandpa, Yitzhak, Isaac. But the old Yaakov, and he tells him, my father sent me, Yaakov, to kill you because my father wants to kill you. So what should I do? I don't want to kill you because I learned from my grandfather you're not allowed to kill. So Yaakov, it says, told him it's not allowed to. It's one of the seven Noahide laws. You're not allowed to kill. And so what should he do? It says, take all my possessions and a poor man is like a dead man. You can tell your father that you killed me in that sense that I'm poor, poor, I'm poor, I'm very poor. In fact, when Jacob goes to see, to meet his uncle, he started crying. When he saw his, uh, his beloved Rachel, he started crying. Why? He says, my, my father's servant came with jewelry and I have nothing to give this girl. I love this girl so much. I have nothing to give her. My hands are empty. He was robbed by Eliphaz, his own nephew, because of this. And he told his father, I killed Jacob. Why? Because I took all his money. He's like a poor man. He's a dead man. So Yaakov was left with no money. What does he do? He was left with no bread. He was left with no clothes. He was empty and, and left as a beggar, a pauper in the middle of the desert. And as he says later on, he says, I crossed the river Jordan with my staff. That's all I had, my staff. I had no food, I had no clothing, no, no, no jewels, no nothing to give. Uh, that's why Laban says, what can you give me? Work for me. Okay, Yaakov, work for me. Yaakov says, I'll work for you. Okay, I'll work for you. I have nothing to give you. So I'm going to work for my board and living. All right. So Yaakov goes in and he says a prayer to God. This is where the Midrash takes over. Amazing concept. It says Yaakov lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said this Shir From where will come my help? He raised his eyes to the heavens. Where will come my help? Don't say he raised his eyes to the mountains, but read He raised his eyes to his Horim, his parents. I raised my eyes up to my my parents, to rely on their merits. Look at my Ezri was Eliezer. Eliezer was my father's servant. How he brought Rivka. And look at this is the merit I have that this happened. This is, uh, this, this is an action that predates me. And then he remembers he has nothing to give. Eliezer had bled 10 camels worth of goodies to give uh, Rivka's family. So I have nothing. What should I do? I'm, I can't raise up my house till I have my, my parents. I'm nothing like my parents. I'm nothing to correspond to my parents. My Eliezer, I'm nothing to correspond to Eliezer. Because remain my shame. That's what he decided. 
The only thing I have to trust in is God. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.